Hello and welcome to Nothing But The Color Yellow. This is your host, Gatu, and today we bring you Squintisite Tremble, the story of Pompeius Strabo. Who is this enigmatic figure? Well, he's no other than the father of Pompey the Great, Pompeius Strabo of the Clostomini tribe. Not as popular as the great Pompey, Strabo was a great and instrumental general during his life. He operated and lived in Picenum in northern Italy and was the first of the Pompey branch to earn the status of senator. He managed to earn this despite the senatorial prejudice towards rural provincials. This farther accentuates what a skillful military commander and politician he was. Strabo passed the Corsus Honorum and began his career as a quaestor in Sardinia in 104 BCE, then as a pro-magister in Sicily in 93 BCE, praetor in 92, and governor of Macedonia. During the year 90 BCE, during the start of the war against the Allies, or also called the Social War, he fought as a legate of Consul, of Consul Rutilius Rufus. During this year, he was beaten by Pidatius, Titus Lafrianus, and Publius Betitus. Sorry about the pronunciation. In the battle near Mount Falernus, Strabo retru retreated to Pernum, where he was then besieged by Lafrianus for a time. Strabo then sallied out due to information of an approaching army. Whether this army was friend or foe, it would not matter, for Strabo, alongside with Publius Sulpicius Rupus, destroyed the besieging army. Strabo notably risked his life and that of his men because he was afraid of losing glory if the approaching army was a friend. This would mark him as one of the most consequential generals of the social war. Strabo became consul in 89 BCE, in which he served alongside Porcus Cato. Cato, however, fell fighting the Marxi making Strabo sole consul for the remainder of his term, and possibly for the, the remainder of the war, as it's not clear whether it ended in 89 BCE or 88 BCE. Strabo was indispensable in the northern theater of the war, which reached its apex with the siege of Ascola, of which there is some debate of who was in charge of the siege, but Strabo is believed to have played a major role in it. This feat helped him end the war and earn his trial. Notably, Pidatulus is mentioned to have led a relief force to Ascalon and making his way into the city, where he realized that it was hopeless to win the war and committed suicide, after serving a banquet to his allies. After Strabo's consulship, he returned to his army as proconsul. Cicero, the great lawyer and orator, a man who was so instrumental in the end of the Republic, served with Strabo during the war, in which he noted Strabo's skills in dealing with the Italians. Strabo, being as keen as he was, he rewarded his non-citizen allies with Roman citizenship. Notably, he would grant citizenship to a cavalry squadron of Hispania. This would let it help Pompey the Great, as Spain was his province during the civil war against Caesar. Strabo passed a law to extend his influence from Picenum to land past the Po, and gave Latin status to towns in the Transalpine region. After the social war, Strabo continued his political ambitions by attempting to secure a second consecutive consulship using the example of Marius. In this, however, he failed. During the turbulent times in which Sulla and Mario wrestled for the Republic, Strabo stayed in the sidelines. Once the matter was settled and Sulla emerged victorious, Strabo squinted menacingly before making his choice. After Sulla had won the civil war, Sulla introduced a law to recall Strabo to Rome. Seeing as how Strabo was really the only other person who could challenge Sulla now. But Strabo had an inside man, a man named Herennius, who vetoed the measure. After this, the council Pompeius Rufus was selected to take Strabo's command. 
Once Rufus was in camp, Strabo welcomed him and showed courtesy to Rufus. Rufus felt very comfortable, but when making a sacrifice, Strabo left the scene, squinting, and his troops fell upon Rufus. After this incident, Strabo retained his command, and Sulla left for the east for Mithridates. When Marius and the exiled Cinna arrived in Italy, Octavian, who was the council and the men who exiled Cinna, opposed them alongside the Optimates, while Strabo simply waited on the sidelines, squinting at the sunset. For this, he was blamed and hated, for it gave Cinna and Marius time to gain strength. Strabo, after being asked by the Senate to come to Rome's aid, finally acted. He set his camp in the Colline Gate, and rumor has it that Cinna had bribed Torrentios to kill him. While his tent was set on fire, this scheme ever failed. Now, Tarentius not only failed at killing Strabo, but he gave Rome hope. Hope that the Optimates would be able to destroy Cinna and Marius's army. Strabo fought Sertonius and assisted Octavian when Marius took the Janiculum Gate. Victory was almost achieved, but Strabo's desire for glory prevented victory, for he was afraid that if the war ended too early, he would not be able to get a second consulship. He was still after this. For this, again he was hated and rumors were spread that Strabo started a secret negotiation with Cinna or pursuing the Senate to hear Cinna's envoys. Believing that the most likely candidate to win the consulship for 86 BCE, Metalus Pius, would lead to Strabo's prosecution, a rumor began to spread that Strabo was planning to end Metalus. But no matter what Strabo was planning, he would die before his plans were ever to take effect. As a plague ravaged his camp, he fell ill and would die of this malice. While a more popular story is told of lightning having strike him, as to signal that even the gods hated Strabo, this story, however, is pure fiction. What really happened was that Cassius would take his command and this news gave Pompey the strength to linger on for a couple of days before dying. And during his funeral procession, his body was dragged through the mud on a hook. The tribunes and some senators managed to restore order by throwing their coats over his body. In many ways, Strabo thus resembled Pompey the Great. Both were great commanders, and they had a large clientele to draw men power from. And the Senate loved them and hated them. But it was Pompey who would shine brighter, for he would be loved by all. And he would have something his father never had, which was respect. Thank you so much for listening. This has been nothing but the color yellow. And I've been your host, Gato. Until next time. <laughs>